This is Dov Tesman and you're on equal footing. When a difficult time in the calendar, in the Jewish calendar, approaching the end of the days of mourning, Tisha B'Av coming up this weekend, the destruction of the Second Temple, a, a period in which we mourn for the tragedies of our past as a Jewish people. I think it's an important time also to recognize one of the most important negative Commandments, one of the mitzvot, the 305th mitzvot, to not resent, to not want to take revenge, to not want to hold a grudge. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Tonight's show is called The Grudge. I think one of our guests will explain how this relates to the destruction of the Second Temple, the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. Also, how it relates, more importantly, I think, to our day-to-day lives. Resentment is something that we all struggle with. Grudges in relationships, grudges against people that we feel have done us wrong, grudges against business partners. It's a challenge of daily life. We've got two guests tonight to talk about resentment and grudges through the prism both of mental health and Jewish ethics, Jewish law, halacha. Let's start with Dina Abramovitz. Dina's first time here on Equal Footing. She's a mental health counselor. She's the managing director at Bespoke Wellness Partners. It's a teen and family wellness center located on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Dina specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy. She obtained a master's degree in mental health counseling from Baruch College. Currently, Dina works with adolescents and young adults in navigating personal and interpersonal challenges. She not only does individual counseling, but also facilitates parenting and family workshops to best support her clients. She's passionate about working at the intersection of mental health and the Jewish community. Dina, welcome to Equal Footing. Thanks for joining tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Another first-time guest with you, Dina, is Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Rabbi Pinchas was recently recognized by the Jewish Daily Forward as one of America's most inspiring rabbis, shaping 21st century Judaism. Rabbi Elush is the founding rabbi of one of the most vibrant and fast-growing synagogues in the United States, Congregation Beth Tefila of Scottsdale, Arizona. He resides there in Scottsdale with his wife Esther and nine children. Rabbi Pinchas is a recognized rabbinic, rabbinical figure. He's a respected author of numerous literary works. He's a public speaker. He's enlightened and inspired audiences throughout the United States, Europe, Israel, and South Africa. He's also lived around the world. Rabbi Lush is also the founding dean of the uh, community-wide high school in Arizona, the Nishmat Adin Shalhevet High School. It's the only Jewish high school of its kind in Arizona. Wonderful that you've done that, Rabbi Lush. Rabbi Lush is a, a prolific blogger for publications like the Huffington Post, the Times of Israel, and many other large distribution publications. I love that Rabbi Lush addresses both a Jewish and a secular audience in his writings, and to find out more about his teachings and his uh, his activities, you can visit Rabbi Alush. That's A L L O U C H dot org. Rabbi Alush dot org. Rabbi Pinchas Alush, thanks for joining us on Equal Footing tonight. 
Thank you so much, and thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> Easy to do. You guys are are both. Um, you both have extensive backgrounds dealing with, uh, I think, the uh, kind of people going through spiritual and mental health health crises, and uh, we often uh, in in our faith try to focus on uh, the cycle of love. You know, uh, loving um, each other as ourselves. That prime commandment that uh, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hillel say is really the core of, of our faith, you know, kamocha as ourself. And this cycle of love, of course, does have a dark uh, kind of codependent uh, cousin, and that's a cycle um, of hate, a cycle of um, resentment. And we, we try here in this program to address the difficult areas of our lives and look at it through the prism of, of Jewish ethics. Let's start by, by starting with the definition. And, and Rabbi Lush, first of all, in, in, in Jewish ethics, what, what's the difference between holding a grudge and revenge? Because we're going to focus tonight on the concept of the grudge. We're going to do a future show on concept revenge. How are those two things different? Uh, Right. Well, that's a, that's a great question because they are indeed very much uh, separate uh, in the Torah, in the Bible. Uh, it, uh, th- these both of these prohibitions are rooted in that verse in Leviticus of Lotikom velotitor, do not take revenge and do not keep a grudge. Taking revenge is the immediate response. It's uh, I would even say it's the reaction to something negative that is happening to us. Keeping a grudge is not the immediate response, but rather it's keeping it within us and deciding when and where to then execute that response. So keeping a grudge is something that I keep. That's why the word in Hebrew is titor, which really means to keep, to guard, coming from the root word netirah, natar. And that's because, again, it's something that I keep within me. Revenge, I don't keep within me. I immediately execute my response. I would say that's the, the clear difference between the two. Now, Rabbi Lush, before we turn to Dina for kind of the psychoanalytic uh, definition, there's another word as well that's that's used in, in Chumash to refer to this concept of grudge. It's, it's, it's the, the word satam. I guess that also can mean to hate or to like cherish animosity. What's the, is there a meaningful difference between the concept of satam and the root word natar? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if there's any correlation between the two, but you're right. There are, like you said at the beginning, there are many cousins to natar, to natira, to grudges. One of them is resentment. The other one, as you mentioned, is hatred. I would even say the other one is gossip. And what's interesting is that all of these prohibitions really are, are, are gathered together in the Torah in more or less the same paragraph in uh, Leviticus. So uh, I would certainly say that they are connected. I don't know if they are synonymous uh, in the wording themselves, but um, they are certainly very, very deeply connected. Yeah, and that... that uh... That statement from Leviticus 19.18 is probably the most well-versed uh, when it comes to this issue of revenges and grudges. It says, it, it, Leviticus 19.18, don't take vengeance and don't bear a grudge towards the members of my people and love your fellow as yourself. I am the Lord. Uh, Dina, I was fascinated in... in doing the pregame for this show to actually learn a little bit, and I'm just, you know, just enough to be dangerous about the, uh, what 
the feeling of holding a grudge of having resentment does to our body. Uh, I was, to that I was fascinated to learn that it actually people that hold resentment over a long period of time have uh, permanently reduced levels of oxytocin in the brain. Uh, can often often have long term uh, heightened existence of cortisol, the stress hormone. What is what is resentment um, uh, it biologically? And, and psychologically, how does it manifest in, in our, in our body and brain? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something that, um, you know, really wears us down. It's not just, um, a feeling, but it is all encompassing. So it's something that, um, you know, it weakens our immune system. And it, it breaks us down to, to the point where our bodies feel it. It's not just an emotion. So it's very interesting how, how that works. Yeah, it reminds me of the, of the saying that it's like to uh, have resentment or to hold a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Like has a, right. a corrosive effect on, on ourselves. Be, before we go to our first break, uh, Rabbi Lush, I promised there at the outset that we tie in the subject tonight of uh, uh, holding a grudge uh, directly into these uh, days of Av and the upcoming um, Tisha B'Av uh, memorial. One could argue with the story, I hope you'll tell us about the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, that, that a grudge lies at the root of one of our great tragedies as a Jewish people, the destruction of the Second Temple. Help walk listeners through that tie-in. Uh, right, I, I would agree. I think that's a that, that's a great connection to to the very days that we are uh, experiencing. Uh, because yes, as we mourn the destruction of the temple, we also mourn the root of the destruction of the temple. And the sages are quite clear in the Talmud that the root is that story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa uh, to enemies. They held a grudge. They they too did not like each other, and they. Uh, and this deep resentment for one another deep in their hearts. And um, one uh, was uh, mistakenly invited to the other's party. And when uh, the enemy saw his enemy come to his party, he uh, had a rage. He asked him to leave. And even though uh, he was uh, very uncomfortable and he wanted to stay, didn't want this humiliation to occur, uh, he, the host was so adamant that he refused that his enemy, his enemy's offer to pay for the entire party, just let me stay, he was telling him. Uh, that, you see, that, that's how dangerous and destructive grudges can be. So he kicked him out. The man was so hurt that he continued to keep his grudge, and of course his grudge also expanded. He went to the Roman authorities, and he started to make a very long story short gossiping about not just these hosts, but about the Jews. The Romans, who already had a very tense relationship with the Jews at the time, decided to execute their punishment in the most destructive way, which eventually led also to the destruction of the temple and to the exile of the Jewish nation. So we see here that a grudge, and I think that's the point, one of the points that the Talmud is trying to make, that when we do keep a grudge, it's not only destructive towards us because, as you mentioned, as Dina mentioned, it could be very toxic. But when we keep a grudge, that toxicity spreads even beyond our wildest imagination. And it could ev- eventually, God forbid, lead to the destruction of cities and even of nations. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but it's it's it, when you when you look at the story of of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, you you as as you as you um, laid it out, you, you you can arrive at the conclusion that the destruction of the Second Temple uh, happened as a direct result of a silly dispute over a dinner party, and it just I think brings it home um, how something that that may seem. Uh, petty in our lives can actually have an incredibly corrosive effect on our own, on ourselves, on our relationships, and in the community around us. We're talking about that's right. Holding grudges. If, if I may and add, Dov, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, if I may add, uh, you're so right to personalize this because I can tell you that I've been on uh, many uh, boards of synagogues, for example, and sometimes the entire synagogue can go down a drain because of a grudge that a board member kept. I've, I've met many couples. Sometimes the whole marriage can go down the drain, including the family itself, because of the grudge of a spouse. And and those examples are endless, so so I really like the fact that you're, you're personalizing this and making it very relevant. We're going to take our first break, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the mental health challenges around uh, resentment and how it can affect our lives and the quality of relationships in our lives. You're on equal footing. We're joined by our guest, Dina Abramovitz, who is a psychotherapist, Rabbi Pinchas Alush, and you can participate in this conversation. Talk to us about your own experience with resentment and grudges and letting go of grudges. Call 718-303-9090. This is the time to do it in the days of Av, to let go of grudges. 718-303-9090. If you're shy about being on the air, although when you call in, you don't have to mention your name, you can also text or WhatsApp a question or comment to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. Well, we could have picked a number of songs from that great album, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. It was a breakup album. Look it up. Uh, Equal Footing is, on a lighter note, is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers one- to two-day financing to watch dealers and watch collectors from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your collection or inventory of timepieces through Mechanical Art Capital's easy buyback contracts. Just download the Mechanical Art Capital app on the App Store of your iPhone or Android device. Again, just type in three words, Mechanical, Space, Art, Space, Capital, and you can upload pictures of your watches and have them appraised free of charge right away. And within 24 to 48 hours, you will have cash in your pocket. You can also call and do it by phone if you prefer. 833-209-0972 is the number. That's 833-209-0972. And you can also get more information at mechanicalartcapital.com. I've been caught. I was angry with my friend. 
I told my wrath, my wrath did end. I was angry with my foe, I told it not, my wrath did grow. And I watered it in fears, night and morning with my tears. And I sunned it with smiles, and with soft, deceitful wiles. And it grew both day and night, till it bore an apple bright. And my foe beheld it shine, and he knew that it was mine. And into my garden stole, when the night had veiled the pole. In the morning, glad I see my foe outstretched beneath the tree. That's Sir Ralph Richard- Richardson reading the great poem, A Poison Tree, by William Blake. I suspect some of us uh, remember that from grade school or middle school, uh, the recital of a poison tree. And that that uh, poem does two things. First of all, it talks Dina about the incredibly corrosive effect of resentment. Someone who's literally watering a tree over many years with tears and anger. And also the complicated ending. Does his foe die from the poison tree? Or does nothing happen and he's just left with his hatred and resentment? The tough question that I have to you, Dina, to get us started on the mental health side is, does resentment actually or holding a grudge ever have a positive role in our lives? Yeah, I think that resentment actually does protect us in a way. Um, resentment is like a defense mechanism. It tells us that there are negative consequences in around us and we are supposed to protect ourselves. So resentment is a signal that something is wrong and it, it tells us that we need to, we need to protect ourselves. And so that would be someone, for example, holding a grudge against a, a family member that may have abused them as a, as a child or maybe a business partner that's, that's ripped you off or something like that where it's, it's, it's a saving you from future harm. Yes, exactly. You know, I, that reminds me of, um, a client that I had where as a child, they experienced childhood abuse from a parent and, um, I don't expect them to let that resentment go. That resentment is there to protect them and to help them set boundaries so they don't continue getting hurt moving forward with this parent. So it, it is there to protect us. It is there, um, to help us set boundaries and cope with with some difficult things going on in our, in our environment. Rabbi Lush, I want to tie what Dina just said into, into halacha, Jewish law and Jewish ethics, because the commandment, the 305th uh, mitzvah, the negative commandment, do not take revenge or not, nor bear a grudge, seems very clear. But then we, we need to reconcile this with the laws of forgiveness that are taught at Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, in, in which we're, we're told that the wronged party, I'm paraphrasing, but is allowed actually to remember the slight. Uh, and it, in a certain sense, is allowed to hold a grudge, it seems, and is only obligated to forgive when that when the wronged party is convinced he or she has received a sincere apology. So is in fact in halacha, is there a place for us as Jews, as observant Jews, to, to actually hold a grudge? Is there an appropriate moment for holding grudges? Or have I misunderstood this seeming contradiction? Right, so that that's a great question. Um, 
I, I can think of two exceptions that the halacha does offer. Exception number one is if I ask for forgiveness and the person I'm asking for forgiveness from is uh, going to interpret my asking for forgiveness as um, a sign that uh, whatever was done is correct, the harm that was done is right, the hurt that was performed is legitimized, uh, then I am not allowed to ask for forgiveness. So, so to give you an example, if someone stole from me mm-hmm. and um, I say to him, you know what, I forgive you, I'll let that grudge go. And this person says, oh, that means I'm allowed to steal. And he goes on and continues to steal because of my forgiveness, then certainly I am not allowed to forgive. That's one exception. Exception okay. number two, and we have to remember this because I think this is where Judaism differentiates from Christianity, for example, and that is that I am not allowed to forgive someone on behalf of someone else. Um, if We see that all the time in the news, for example, that you have, God forbid, someone who was murdered, and his or her family comes to court and says to the murderer, we forgive you. Well, in Judaism, that's not allowed. It's up to the victim to forgive that person. Who are we to think that we have that power to forgive on behalf of someone else? Or God forbid, people have had Holocaust victims in their family. I have no right to forgive the Nazis. Let them forgive the Nazis. You know, it reminds me of that funny yet uh, accurate anecdote by um, General Schwarzkopf, who was the, one of the great generals in the Gulf War of 1991, when uh, he was asked if he can forgive ter- terrorists. And uh, he responded humorously but accurately that that's not his job. It's God's job to forgive terrorists. Mm. His job as a general is to make the meeting between them. <laughs> but that's another exception I can think of. We are not allowed to forgive and let go on behalf of someone else. And I think it's interesting. I think it's the only theology as well where it's very clear that you're not obligated to forgive uh, until you you receive what you believe is a sincere apology. In fact, even though I've read that verse uh, many times in my life on, on Yom Kippur, it was the first time preparing for the show that that really sunk in, that you're not mandated to forgive until you feel you've received that authentic apology from the other party. So if someone's listening to the show and feeling like, well, wait a minute, I had this awful thing happen to me and I'll forgive, um, but I just want to hear that the person's sorry, there's some halachic basis to that, it, it seems, Rabbi. Yeah, yes, that, that, that's correct. That's, that's very true. I will add to that also, um, we know this because uh, we either approached with this or we approach others with this on the eve of Yom Kippur when it's customary to ask forgiveness. But we also know that if we ask for forgiveness three times, genuinely, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, and forgiveness was not granted, then we're exempt from asking for forgiveness any further. And there's so much in Alakha, there's complexity because it's also a mandate to forgive. (laughs) So, but Mm -hmm. Dina, putting, you know, in the, and of course you grew up from and you see it, I'm sure, halachically as well, but uh, do you think that uh, when you deal with your clients around something that's been a really horrible transgression, like you referred to abuse, uh, you know, physical or sexual abuse before, and what do you do when the when the offender or the transgressor is not available 
to ask for forgiveness. They've passed away. They don't acknowledge their actions. They're not willing to say, I'm sorry. How do you counsel that, that patient to reconcile that uh, horrible tension within? Yeah, it's interesting because from a mental health perspective, forgiveness, you know, can be done within. You know, the person who has been hurt can give forgiveness to the person who hurt them and not because they want to forgive that person's wrongdoing, but so that the person who got hurt can move forward. So from a mental health perspective, it's not about um, wiping that person clean of of their wrongdoing. It's about me allowing myself as the hurt person to move forward and to let go. So forgiving is for ourselves. It's not for the other person. Yeah, I think that's the key message. And it's kind of woven into what Rabbi uh, Lush said as well. Ultimately, you know, if we've, if we've also on the other side, if we've asked for forgiveness three times genuinely, and ultimately all this spiritual growth, we're all, we're responsible for our own spiritual path and we we can't um, abdicate that to someone else i want to get into some tough questions and i hope i don't offend either of you with these i'm gonna start uh, rabbi lush with 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 you it seems to me that there's a lot of grudges going on in chumash in 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 the bible and in tanakh it's where it seems to almost stand in contradiction to the the 305th uh, mitzvah do do not take revenge or bear a grudge uh, between people all over the place. Um, you know, Cain resenting Abel for his offerings being accepted to, to God. Uh, Job's wife uh, resenting, resenting God. Um, the, the resentment going back and forth between Leah and Jacob, uh, you know, uh, King Saul resenting David. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, of, of resentment and grudges. Now, I guess I can, as, as a Jew, I can, I can get comfortable with the fact that those are lessons ultimately of where we shouldn't hold a grudge. But here's what, here's what bugs me, Rabbi Lush. It seems that Hashem, it seems that we have a resentful God at times as well. I think this week's Parsha Devarim is a, is, it, it weaves into this. I mean, uh, Moses and Aaron are not allowed into the promised land, but what seems to me, like a relatively minor transgression, some ego, a hitting of a rock, or referring to themselves. You know, I don't want to make light of it. I'm being a little jocular, but my point is, it seems like God's pretty resentful. God's holding a, a grudge against uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and his brother, um, even though they've done so many wonderful things in their lives, so many devotional things. And here he is saying, "You, you cannot go into the promised lands." What's up with these? These grudges held by, and there are others as well, I would say, against Sodom and Gomorrah, all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah against nations. It's woven throughout our tradition what seems like a grudgeful God. Right. Well, <laughs> it's a great question and no doubt a provocative one. I, I will say, look, I, I can't speak on behalf of God. I can barely speak on behalf of myself. But... <laughs> Uh, I will say that maybe to better understand this, it does seem like God does keep a grudge, but to better understand this, I would redefine the word grudge. And I would say that grudge is very much self-oriented. It's very selfish in a way. It's it's very me, me, me. I feel hurt. I will keep this grudge in me. Um, and um, I don't think that this is what God has. Or I don't think this is how God functions. Uh, I rather think that God's year in the Torah is functioning maybe like a parent towards a child. 
if I punish my child for misbehaving, it's not that I kept a grudge and I'm reacting selfishly. Oh, you hurt me, so I'm going to take my revenge. Here you go. But rather, I'm, I'm reacting intellectually, and most importantly, I'm uh, being child-oriented, not me-oriented. And I think that this is how God behaves throughout the entire Torah, in all of these stories, the ones that you mentioned and others. But God is focusing more on educating us rather than just taking his revenge. Although, I will add to your point, and that is that you reminded me of Rabbi Pinchas of Koretz, one of the great Hasidic masters of the 1700s, who would say that, you know, on Yom Kippur, when we say, and even on a, on a day-to-day basis, there's this, this supplication prayer where we ask for forgiveness. But the word we use in Hebrew is, we sinned, right? Mm-hmm. We are guilty. Right. And Rabbi Pinchas, of course, would ask the question that many ask, well, who is this we? I sinned. I am guilty. And he would answer stunningly that this refers not just to me sinning, but to God sinning. God, in his own way, sins towards us, too. Or at least that's the way we may feel. And therefore, every day we have to be able to let go and say, you know what, God, mm. I forgive you, too. So I'm not completely uh, uh, freeing God here from any guilt, but I'm trying to explain him as, uh, as a parent towards a child. That's very beautiful, and I, and I hope that, that listeners don't, don't take umbrage at that. I've told the story on air before, Rabbi and Dina, about my grandfather, who was a survivor and blessed memory, a survivor of, of the Holocaust, and and he on on Yom Kippur would would stand um, in in shul and he would um, shout epithets. I mean, not shout, but he would speak loudly. He'd, in a certain sense, curse God. And I threw there are folks that are listening and thinking, "Oh, but you know, can't even say imagine me admitting that on air." And he would hold my hand very hard and make me stand next to him as the oldest grandson. Um, and it was very confusing to me for years about why, uh, you know, he was, why he would be allowed to do this in synagogue. Of course, he was very, he was understandably incredibly upset with God, but with, for, for, for what happened in his, in his life. And one day the rabbi, um, of, of, of that show in Philadelphia, um, I heard someone ask a question about it and kind of complain. And he said, he can, he's here having a dialogue. He's talking to Hashem. Is it, it so? There's it's it's we can be upset. I think, and and Dina, I imagine you've confronted this with your clients as well. You know, you deal with a lot of Jewish clients. We it's okay to be upset uh, with God. It's 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 to maintain the dialogue and the authenticity of that of that dialogue. And I think that's something very very unique and beautiful about our tradition. Um, I'm I'm happy for either of you to disagree with me. I know it's quite controversial, but building on what you just said, uh, Rabbi and Dina, is that is that part of right. your experience? How do you counsel clients that feel angry at God for what has been allowed to happen to them in their lives? Yes, it's definitely okay to be angry. It's okay to feel any emotions that we have, um, even toward God. And I think it helps us. The, the emotions tell us that we care. Um, it tells us that we are hurt, and it gives us some guidance in terms of where, how we're feeling, and how we want to move forward. And it, and there's this internal battle that we're doing with ourselves and trying to make sense of what's going on in the world. So, absolutely, um, I think it's okay to be angry with God, um, and also to uh, try to make sense of what's going on. Not to just hold on to the anger and the resentment, but to try to make sense of it. Yeah. 
like uh, the story of Job. We'll be, we'll be, we need to take another break. Can you hold the thought? Will you remember it for the break? (laughs) Okay, we're going to take the next break. We'll be right back uh, with Rabbi Pinchas Alush and Dina Abramovitz. We're talking about resentment, holding grudges, letting go of, of grudges through the prism of mental health and Jewish ethics. We'll be right back. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing. We're talking about holding grudges, letting go of grudges. Did you know, as we talked about earlier in the program, that the destruction of the Second second Temple, something we're mourning here in the days above, was caused by a dinner party grudge? Well, you'll have to, if you you miss the beginning of the show, you'll listen to it on, uh, on its podcast recorded from, you know what we're talking about. Rabbi, I interrupted you right before we went to that break, um, and I just wanted to mention that uh, so one of our listeners asked us to to mention the story of Rabbi Akiva uh, and the prayer for rain. So I'm not sure if I, I, I can – I think we had that in our show notes, but if you know what that's about, maybe you can mention that and then go to your point, Rabbi. The story where there was a famine in the land of Israel – and Rabbi Akiva was leading the congregation in prayer, and uh, he turned to God the first time with those titles of Avinu Malkeinu, our father, Akain. And as soon as he turned to God in such a way, it began to rain. But um, it may also allude to the idea that Rabbi Akiva was shouting at God, that this is not right. You are uh, abandoning your people. And that type of anger... I think it's certainly allowed, it's even encouraged, I would say, in Judaism. We see it throughout history. Abraham is angry at God. Moses is angry at God. Many are angry at God. And um, it's almost what, you know, the great Hasidic master, uh, uh, Rabbi Levi Tchakovbedichev, would say, that you can be for God, you can be against God, but you can't be without God. And to analyze this just a little, I think our anger towards God is an anger that is reflective of a deep relationship with God. Mm. Just like I can be at ang- angry at my spouse, angry at my business partner. When I have a relationship that I care about, I want to express my emotions, as Dina said. If I feel suffocated, then it's not a relationship to begin with. 
Now, the only difference I would say is that this anger towards God is an anger that must lead me to action or to positive change Mm. or to a deeper level in our relationship. If it's an anger that divorces me from God, or in the words of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, that leads me to be without God, then it's an then it's an anger that has no place. Dina, how do but you dis- again, I think that- to, to Rabbi Elisha's point? Sorry, Dina, how do you distinguish between uh, a healthy uh, anger that around injustice or or pain or abuse that's occurred in the past of one of your your clients versus something that isn't healthy and is kind of ripping someone apart inside? How do you differentiate between those two? I think it's about the the uh, intention or the meaning behind it. So if someone just wants to hold a grudge and doesn't look to move past, um, I think that's an unhealthy place to kind of live in. That's the rumination. That's being stuck in your discomfort. But like Rabbi Alush said, when we really care about the relationship and we're trying to make sense of it, that's kind of where that healthy grudge, that healthy anger comes into play. Mm. And it gives us something something to do with it. It helps us move forward and process and make sense of the situation to ultimately kind of accept and forgive, like we said before. I want to read a a quote from Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach, who was challenged, uh, who he came as a refugee from the Nazis, from from Austria, as many listeners may know. And but yet he, in many occasions, his life spoke favorably about the Austrian and German people. Uh, later in his life, and he was challenged on 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 this, and this is what he uh, had to say to anyone who asked him, uh, who challenged him or asked him that question. I only have one soul. If I had two souls, I would gladly devote one of them to hating the Germans full time, but I don't. I only have one soul, and I'm not going to waste it on hating. So it's like I I can speak to this from personal experience, Tina. I've had things happen in my life. Some listeners know. I won't go into it here. Where I could spend the rest of my life with resist, you know, resentment and hate against uh, things that have, you know, abuse or things that have happened to, to me, but ultimately it's a choice of our own mental health, isn't it? Uh, you know, the like like we talked about earlier, it's like you know, resentment is a, is a it's like taking drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. We're the ones who suffer, no? Exactly, exactly. We're the ones that are suffering from our resentment, not the person that we're angry toward. I mean, sometimes that's the case, but ultimately, we're the ones suffering. So the question is, do we want to stay in that suffering or do we want to work through it? Um, and that reminds me of kind of the, the, the stages of grief. We say there are five stages of grief. And the first one is anger. And the last one is acceptance. And so there is room to go from this place of anger to acceptance and process that grief. And that's that's kind of where, again, the healthy anger comes into play. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about epigenetics for a moment. For those who don't know that word means, it's where things that are impressions in trauma upon one generation can be passed to the next. And there's been a lot of study around this for Holocaust survivors and all sorts of other transgenerational uh, trauma. Seems to me, Rabbi and Dean, and let's start with you, Rabbi Alush, that there's an, a pretty clear example of epigenetic uh, uh, resentment trauma going on in the Bible. And what I'm talking about here is the story, the kind of very difficult uh, uh, triangle story of the baby war, kind of with Leah and Rachel and Jacob. Uh, there's a lot of resentment that's held there. It's even said specific, in Chumash that there's, that there's resentment using the, the words that we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, uh, the, uh, Natar and Satam. And, 
and then there's of course the resentment going on between uh the bro- the, the 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 sons of of Jacob and and you know between Joseph and Reuben and so forth and what are we to glean from this Rabbi Elush? is this just a a mosh pit of resentment or what's the message we're supposed to receive from this like intergenerational resentment story um, <laughs> it's a great question you're right the examples are many I think the first and foremost lesson is the Torah, you know, there is that great uh, statement by Rashi, the foremost commentary on the Torah, that that the Torah spoke the human language. And what the Torah is trying to do is um, simply to try and tell us that it's okay to have resentment. That's the natural response of most, if not all, human beings. The question is what you do with it. If it leads you to acceptance, as Dina was saying, then great. If you're stuck there, that's where it becomes a problem. So I think the Torah is trying to both legitimize the emotion itself, but also at the same time to warn us to grow from it and to grow completely out of it in order to uh, ensure that it does not destroy us and our surroundings. Dina, when you, do you have clients that, that you think have epigenetic resentment issues? Is this something that, that's passed down through generations? I think um, the, some characteristics can be passed down. So, for instance, if um, a parent has a lot of anger issues because of maybe some childhood trauma they experienced, that might be then passed down to their child. Um, you know, they're passing down that anger and maybe some of that abuse that they themselves experienced. On the other hand, sometimes um, parents go to the opposite extreme. So um, they will kind of make sure that they don't cause any harm to their child to the extent where maybe they're babying them and they're coddling them. So it could be really uh, either which way. So we've got a, a couple of interesting listener questions, comments. I, I, I don't know where this one's going to go. Um, there's one listener. I love it when we have non-Jewish listeners that are, you know, that this, it's kind of creates an interfaith dialogue. Um, and I'm, I'm actually translating from the Spanish. The, the questions is, came, came to us in, in Spanish. They're obviously listening in English. Um, if, if saying that the Christian tradition is quite simple, quite straightforward, I think would be the right word on the topic, turn the other cheek. Why is it so complex in the Jewish tradition? Um, Dina, I don't know if you want to take this question. But I, I can say Pregnant that, silence I think there. that the Jewish. <laughs> Okay, well, um, I, I would say that the, the reason we don't encourage to turn the other cheek is because we want to be more active. We want to be more um, forward-thinking than just um, being stuck in a state of response. Turning the other cheek is my immediate reaction. I think that Judaism encourages us to say, okay, this happened. Now what? I, I want to move beyond what just happened. Not turn the other cheek and be stuck in the moment and tell the guy, you can slap me there. But, but really, let's learn from this. Let's grow from this. And I think it's one of the great tools on how to deal with, with hurt, to transform it into a divine moment in which I ask myself, well, what is the lesson that God wanted to teach me here? How can I transform this into something purposeful and meaningful? Yeah. And, 
uh, I think that's where Judaism goes with and, it. And I would add, if I, I try not to editorialize in the program, but I think the, you know, our, our tradition is one that acknowledges the complexities and realities in certain sense of mental health in a way that, that, uh, perhaps is glossed over sometimes. And, and if oversimplified can, can lead to people leaving a faith, frankly. I think it's hard, Dina, I'd imagine to always counsel your clients to turn the other cheek. That, that may not be, be, uh, healthy. Right, right. So turning the other cheek, I think, is actually another option um, rather than holding a grudge. So either someone could hold a grudge and they can develop a lot of anger and resentment, um, or they can choose to kind of turn a blind eye to it and, and try not to let it bother them. But that is actually in itself a defense mechanism, just like grudges are kind of like a defense mechanism, turning the other cheek is as well. And that's choosing to not confront um, some of those issues right. or to Avoidance. not. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. One other question that we, I know we have a caller waiting. We'll see if we take the caller before the break or right after the break. Um, this is a tough one and actually did make its way into the show notes as well. Um, and this is, this is a, li- a listener, Shimon, uh, who points out that we should look at Leviticus 1918 and the reference to my people, which is, and I'm going to read it again. Don't take this Leviticus 1918. Don't take vengeance and don't bear a grudge towards the members of my people and love your fellow as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay. So this listener points out that my people there is referring to another Jew. Now, this doesn't sound very politically correct. So, Rabbi, to this listener's point, is this is this injunction, Leviticus 19.18, saying that we shouldn't bear a grudge towards other Jews, but we are allowed to hold a grudge towards towards non-Jews? So, your listener is correct, um, but, and here is a big but, I think God is referring to our nation because, as we all know, it's very easy to get along with a stranger. With people that are not in our inner circle, we usually don't have any fights. They are there. I am here. I barely have any relationships. And therefore, resentment doesn't, doesn't really apply. But what about the people within my inner circle? And I think this is exactly why the Torah is warning us that we should not bear a grudge towards our own people because that's where it happens. That's the circle in which resentment really applies to. That's brilliant. So I think so you're that's saying kind of like uh, that uh, familiarity breeds contempt, and so the injunction has to be closer to, to home. Uh, for That's where, it may, where it's most difficult to follow? That's correct. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, grudges come from, from interactions. And the most interactions we have are indeed with the inner circle, not the people that are outside of it. Fair enough. That's very deft. We'll be right back. We're going to take our last break. We're here with Rabbi Pinchas Alush and Dina Abramovitz talking about grudges, holding them, letting them go. What is the Jewish view? We'll be right back. I have to admit, I picked that song for tonight's show, Sweet Revenge by Motorhead. Remember that? You have to be old enough. All right. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. You've heard about DocuVax before. Your health records. Get them under control. 
Put them in one easy-to-use digital locker. It's accessible on your laptop or smartphone. Go to the DocuVax app, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X, and store and, in the future, validate all your basic medical information, your immunization records, your lab results, even your x-rays, MRIs, uh, allergy information, whatever it is. You know, I'm a pet owner. And I get reminders on my wonderful dog, Jiju, uh, when he needs to get a new, uh, you know, uh, vaccine update or, you know, some sort of treatment. I don't get that for myself. You know, I have to like have that. Uh, it's up to my insurance company. Not. They don't, they don't do that. Up to my GP, my general practitioner. Maybe if you've got a great relationship with your doctor. But the point is, it's your responsibility to own and understand your own medical records. Use DocuVax for as low as $6.99 per month. If you're a subscriber to DocuVax, you can have all of your medical records easily accessible in a HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And here's the best part. You get doctors and nurses on call for you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to validate your vaccine records, your blood tests, or anything else in your medical Locker. So put an end to worrying about if you or someone you care about is up to date in a particular vaccine, blood test, or an, imp- an important preventative screening like a colorectal exam or breast cancer screening. Take control of your medical file. Sign up either at docuvax.com, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com, or download the DocuVax app on the app stores on your Android or iPhone device. And If you run a small business, you have an organization, you're interested in offering the DocuVax tool as a benefit, like an HR benefit for your employees, you can get group discounts if you call this following number and you mention you heard about DocuVax on equal footing. The number is 833-859-1933. Again, to get group discounts for DocuVax, call 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on too. I've been told. All right, we're back on equal footing. It feels so weird to be uh, after 8 o'clock. Just this week and next, uh, we're going to be going 7.15 to 8.15 Eastern. Feels like it should be cut off. we still got another 10 minutes. Okay, let's take the caller and line five and i think i know who it is because i recognize the number on the board see if if we've got stan on the line stan can you hear me see do we have stan ah there you are hey stan how are you how you doing my friend i am good all right uh let's talk about the greatest religious grudge of all time ready god stops this guy in the middle of his work at the farm and his name is noah and he says to this guy, you know, Noah, I want you to do something for me. I want you to build me a boat because I'm fed up with the people on this planet. A lot of them Egyptians, many of them Jews. And he says to him, I want you to build a boat because I'm going to destroy the planet and cleanse it. And there are Jews that get killed. Everybody gets killed except Noah. And God says, you know, I also want to save two elephants, two cows, two two uh, uh, dogs, two this, two that. But you and your family, and that is a major grudge. He takes out the whole planet, and Noah gets builds the boat. <laughs> it's a fair so point. Now, do you agree a, with me? That that's that, a that major effing grudge. grudge. <laughs> that is a major grudge. Okay. Am I not? That's what I was trying to refer to. And some, by the way, we agreed with our producer earlier today that we're going to do a show on the angry god. 
Um, so please don't. That's as angry as you can get. Please don't cancel us here on the Talklay Network. So, uh, Rabbi Lush, uh, what about this? What seems like the biggest grudge of all time, right? Wiping out the planet. Good point. <laughs> Look, uh, um, as we mentioned before, I, I think that, you know, God is certainly, certainly angry. I mean, it says so in the Torah. There's what's called Haron Af, the anger of God. Uh, but I also think that God acts more like an educator or even a parent rather than someone who's, who's hurt and because of uh, some, some self-oriented reason takes out his wrath on people. I also think, let's add another layer to this, and that is that if um, I created something, I created a cup, I can be angry at the cup. Uh, it's my cup. I created it. God acts also as a creator. Uh, we can't be angry at people because we don't create them. So there's a difference there, too. Let's add that layer. So is it not, though, a grudge? I mean, this is we talked about this earlier. What, do we think about God's actions then with the flood as consequence as opposed to a grudge? It's punishment. It's not a grudge. It's punishment. Right, right, exactly. So, again, if we define grudge in a very particular way, and that is that it is me-oriented, then I don't think it's a grudge. Mm, okay. Because God is not me-oriented. God is world-oriented. God is, 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 is the creator of it all. So he, he's creation-oriented. Um, if we define grudge just as anger, then maybe yes. Maybe we can say that God had, had a grudge. Well, we'll have to get you back on the Angry God program. <laughs> it's a tough question. It's an honest sure. question. I appreciate that question, Stan. Dina, here's a, here's a question for you from a listener uh, named Richard. Uh, he says, man, I have to work on living in the moment and letting go of resentments. I am also relentless in making amends in 12 hours or less whenever I screw up with my family, friends, and anyone. I have to admit, I kind of hate to make amends, so I have become a more controlled and ultimately, I think, a better person by avoiding having to say, I'm sorry. There is so much joy in avoiding conflict. I love this comment because I'm hearing two different things, right? It's, it's beautiful to let go of resentments and make amends, but it's also this listener's expression, the joy in avoiding conflict and, and hate saying, I'm sorry. You have this person sitting in your therapy chair. What do you tell them? <laughs> I think there's a battle going on here, right? There's two sides to it. On the one hand, it would be lovely to let go and move forward and be in the present moment. And on the other hand, so much easier to just pretend and avoid that everything is okay. Um, so there's there's two pieces going on here, and it sounds like this this listener is battling with those two, you know, opposing sides. And each one has a place. Each one has a voice. And I think each one should be explored. So you say, uh, bravo, keep doing both of those things? Yeah, I think it's important to understand where the avoidance is coming from. And then to also um, work toward uh, living in the moment and letting go so that you're not holding on to that resentment. But, you know, sometimes the resentment is good, like we talked about earlier. Sometimes it's there to teach us a lesson. And if our family members are constantly hurting us over and over, that tells us that maybe there's 
we need to adjust our expectations or a boundary needs to be put in place. So I, I would definitely want to talk to this person more and kind of <laughs> dive a little deeper. Yeah, and you said earlier in the program that the you know there can be a healthy place for holding a grudge, and in the sense for you know creating the protective boundaries. One last, Absolutely. one last listener comment, and this uh, Rabbi Lucian. Then I want to give you both a chance for just a minute to give us the last words here on this on this great and difficult topic of grudges and holding them and letting them go. And it's with with respect to that story of Rabbi Akiva, uh, Rabbi Lucian, and this listener points out that part of the story is that Rabbi Eliezer had also prayed for rain a long time during that drought, but his prayers were not answered. And it's said that a voice from heaven said, it's not that Rabbi Akiva is a greater person, but Rabbi Eliezer remembers wrongs done to him, and Rabbi Akiva forgets them. So there's this... Beautiful, yeah. Now, now I know exactly what he's referring to. I think it's from the tractate of Tanit in the Talmud. It's Indeed, it's so beautiful. The words speak for themselves. Yeah. All right, let's let's finish yeah, with just a, Rabbi Lush. Right? Yeah, keep, keep going for a minute. Give us kind of your yeah, final yeah. words on this sure, complex I think also, topic of as a Jew, when we can hold a grudge, when we should let go of a grudge. What's your final injunction? Right. Um, I think in general we should not hold any grudges. Again, we mentioned two exceptions beforehand, and that is that if uh, I'm forgiving someone and that forgiveness can be interpreted as an okay to continue the harmful behavior, then it's not allowed. And then secondly, as we also mentioned, I can forgive someone on behalf of someone else. That's too egotistic. Who am I to do that? So that's also not allowed in Judaism. But certainly we should not hold grudges. And if I may, um, I, I want to add to this. Uh, we haven't spoken about this too much, but I think that holding grudges not only refers to others, and not only refers to God, as we also spoke about, but I would even add that it also refers to our deeper self. Sometimes we beat ourselves down for no reason, and that too is very, very destructive. We have to be able to let go of the anger we have towards ourselves. I think that's the greatest exercise, and maybe the most important of all. And uh, just to conclude, maybe as a final note, I will quote my beloved mentor, Rabbi Dean Steinsaltz, Evan Israel of Blessed Memory, whose yard site, by the way, is coming up in just 10 days. But he once told me that the difference between a wise man and a fool is very simple. The wise makes the important important and the trivial trivial. Mm. The fool makes the important trivial and the trivial important. One of the ways to let go of a grudge is to recognize that there is so much more to life that is important than the hurts of others. There Amen. is me, my life, my purpose. Rabbi, my Lush, I, I, that's lovely. I'm going to have to cut you off just to give Dean at least 20 seconds left to, sure. to give her final... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm that's so okay. Sorry. Final words, literally, literally 20 seconds. What are your last words of wisdom here on this topic, Dina? Yeah, I think uh, grudges, it's clearly not... Um, it's, it's, it's not a simple answer, but many grudges can be resolved, um, and... Many of them are there for a reason and to protect us, and I think there's no right answer there. Yeah. Thank you both, Dina Abramovitz, Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Hope we'll have you back on again, and uh, wish everybody a good Shabbos. We'll talk next week at 7.15 Eastern.
silence makes me wanna sink my teeth in deep. Burn all the evidence of fabricated disbelief. Pull back the curtains, took a look into your eyes. My tongue has now become a platform for your lies. I said you got me where you want. 